You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of a compilation of lectures by Rudolf Steiner entitled The Festivals and Their Meaning. This is the first section of the book, the Christmas section. This is the last lecture of that section, Lecture 8, entitled The Birth of Christ Within Us, given in Berlin on the 27th of December, 1914. Quote, Were Christ born a thousand times in Bethlehem and not in thee, thou art lost eternally. Close quote. There are two aspects of this beautiful saying of the great mystic Angelus Silesius. One consists in a recognition that Christmas can only be truly celebrated in our inmost hearts, and that all outward celebration of Christmas should spur us on to grasp the inner reality which draws the very deepest powers of the soul up from the depths of darkness during the holy nights, a darkness prevailing in the soul just as, outwardly, winter prevails. These deep forces of the soul are aware of their union with the being who pervades all earthly evolution, giving it meaning and purpose. If we descend far enough into the deep regions of our soul life, where our consciousness is still open to the spiritual powers of the world, we find there something connected with Christ. The other aspect of the words of Angelus Silesius is that we who feel ourselves so human in our present stage of evolution can grow conscious of the fact that our true essential humanity depends upon the soul feeling inwardly united with the absolute reality of Christ Jesus. Over the years our studies have brought it home to us that as earthly evolution proceeds, consciousness of Christ must continually deepen that human beings passing from incarnation to incarnation must attain ever greater understanding of the real nature of Christ. We have tried to intensify this knowledge by drawing upon a source which enables us to celebrate the holy night of Christmas, the festival of the birth of Jesus, in a deeper and more worthy way. What this implies will become clear from today's lecture. A famous modern historian was once asked by someone interested in world events why no mention is made in his writings of happenings which are the outcome of the mystery of Golgotha, nor of the influences of Christ Jesus on the course of human history. The historian was asked why his books speak of the influences exercised upon history by popes, monarchs, military campaigns, governments, even by happenings in nature, but have no single word to say about the forces that have poured into mankind from the mystery of Golgotha and since then have been at work in all human life and affairs. After a long pause and deep deliberation, the historian answered, The method I have adopted for the exposition of history must remain as it is, for the Christ forces that stream through happenings in the world 
belong to a primordial realm into which the human mind is incapable of gazing. The effects and influences of the mystery of Golgotha, yes, certainly they can be discerned, but to describe the intrinsic essential nature of these deeds of Christ is not possible in the writing of history. Close quote. This is only one of many possible examples that demonstrate that the most distinguished and enlightened minds of modern times cannot claim to celebrate the Christmas festival in an inner sense. For in the soul of this historian, Christ Jesus has not become such intense living reality that he could feel his presence in all human evolution from year to year, from week to week, even from hour to hour. It is possible for a really learned scholar today to survey the whole course of history without perceiving that since the mystery of Golgotha the power of Christ has been working everywhere. There are many causes to account for the fact that the festival of the Holy Night, the festival of the Christmas mystery, is not yet celebrated in the souls of a very large number of human beings. Some insight into this state of affairs is provided by Goethe, who spoke about it from a deep and true feeling for the Christian mystery. He describes in loving detail the whole life and travels of Wilhelm Meister. Title. Wilhelm Meister comes to a stately building and is conducted around it by its owner. He is shown the gallery, which contains a series of paintings of the most important historical occurrences among various peoples of antiquity, notably among the early Hebrews, from the time of Paradise, the Fall, and on through the later epochs. History is portrayed in impressive scenes, ending with the destruction of Jerusalem. But there is no single picture of a scene from the life of Christ Jesus, although the series continues beyond the crucifixion as far as the destruction of Jerusalem. Wilhelm Meister asks why nothing in this picture gallery portrays the life of the divine man who has brought such blessing into the evolution of humanity. Quote, in your historical series I find a chasm. The temple of Jerusalem is destroyed and the people dispersed, yet you have not introduced the divine man who taught there shortly before, to whom shortly before they would give no ear. Close quote. The answer made to Wilhelm Meister is, quote, to have done this as you require it would have been an error. The life of that divine man whom you allude to stands in no connection with the general history of the world in his time. It was a private life. His teaching was a teaching for individuals. What has publicly befallen vast masses of people and the minor parts which compose them belongs to the general history of the world, to the general religion of the world, the religion we have named the first. What inwardly befalls individuals belongs to the second religion, the philosophical. Such a religion was it that Christ taught and practiced so long as he went about on earth. Close quote. These are deeply moving words. Every human being on the earth is related individually to the Christ. Folk history, as it may be called, is woven into the affairs and circumstances of all the various cultures and peoples, for it is concerned with human affairs in general 
and with general human destiny. But what Christ Jesus has brought into the world penetrates deeply and inwardly into the experiences of every human heart, every human soul, no matter which cultural or evolutionary place it occupies, insofar as it feels itself truly human. We must realize that this, in quotes, feeling human, arose for the first time from what came into human evolution through the mystery of Golgotha. And now, to continue. The owner of the palace leads Wilhelm Meister to another gallery that has been kept hidden, where the events of the New Testament are portrayed. Wilhelm Meister is therefore not permitted to see the events of the New Testament in a place where external happenings and actions in the world are presented, but only in an esoteric sanctuary, which the soul must first have prepared itself to see, by withdrawing from things pertaining to the worldly history of different nations. The basis of the soul's activity must now be esoteric and individual. Then it may cross the threshold leading to the pictures of scenes from the New Testament. Yet not all of the New Testament, for the pictures go no farther than the Last Supper. Wilhelm Meister asks, quote, As you have set up the life of the divine man for a pattern and example, have you likewise selected his sufferings, his death? Close quote. The answer he receives is full of significance and indicates what reverent awe one may feel toward the mystery fulfilled on earth by the being dwelling in that body whose birth is celebrated in the holy night of winter. Wilhelm Meister has been conducted to the first level of esoteric truth, where he witnesses the delineation of scenes up until the Last Supper. But then comes the most esoteric scene of all, referred to with deep and holy awe, quote, We draw a veil over these sufferings because we reverence them so highly. We hold it a damnable audacity to exhibit that torturing cross and the Holy One who suffers on it, exposing them to the light of the sun, close quote, from Travels of Wilhelm Meister, Part 2. This is an example of the feeling of esotericism to be found in the 18th century. The feeling was sound and true, for we ourselves shall readily agree that pictorial representations of Christ's suffering, unless they are from the hand of a supreme artist, draw down the mystery of Golgotha to a mundane level. And we can understand that one who in the 18th century had a profound feeling for the sacred mystery of Golgotha was averse to looking at the many distorted portrayals of it, that he preferred to draw a veil over these things, because he felt that only the inmost forces of the soul can be united supersensibly with what follows the Last Supper. But what is it that underlies these esoteric feelings and experiences? The hearts of human beings were yearning for a vision, a conception of the Christ mystery greater than any that was possible at that time. With all humility, with a humility deeper than that with which we approach any other area of spiritual science, it may truly be said that for long ages the best human souls have been yearning, pining, for the knowledge of Christ that occult science can give. And the time will soon be ripe for human souls to behold as reality what they previously knew 
only through indirect means. The consciousness that such knowledge will one day be within the reach of the human heart and the longing for it has been one of life's great riddles to the best souls. Human beings have been reaching out toward an understanding of Christ that is capable of encompassing the mighty deed at Golgotha, an understanding which will become vision to the eyes of the soul once the veils are lifted. In the lecture yesterday I explained why a knowledge of Christ, once enriched by the old clairvoyance, had to recede, how it was received in the earliest periods of Christendom, but then gradually waned and faded away. Today I would like to read once again an ancient Gnostic hymn which expresses an awareness of the Christ as a cosmic being who increases in majesty and greatness as our soul's vision ascends into the realms of spirit, for through these realms he descended. It was inevitable that in later times, when the springs of knowledge had run dry, a veil should be drawn over the mystery of Golgotha, because people were not able to recognize that in the secret of the Holy Child, as every child feels in its soul, the highest wisdom is enshrined. In this child was born a being who traversed the heavenly worlds before his appearance on earth. Quote, Behold, O Father, how, distant from thy breath, this being upon earth, parenthesis, this being is the human soul, close parenthesis, wanders, the target and victim of all ill. Lost and perplexed, it flees the deadly chaos. How shall it find its way? Close quote, Steiner again. In converse with the Father God, Christ speaks here of his descent through the cosmic spheres, of how his eyes turn to the human soul to whom he would fain bring salvation, who wanders in chaos but yet longs for him. Quote, Therefore, send me, O Father, descending, I bear the seal of heaven, traversing all the eons. Close quote, Steiner again. The spiritual worlds are ranged one above the other in the heavenly spheres, and the higher we ascend, the more do we find that the older worlds are still living realities, the most ancient being present to this day in the highest spheres of all. What was once connected with the Saturn evolution is to be found in the very highest spiritual spheres, and these successive spheres related to the flow of time, are called eons. Quote, Traversing all the eons, teaching all sacred knowledge, thus may God's image be made manifest. And thus to you I give the deeply hidden knowledge of the sacred way. Gnosis it shall be for you. Close quote, Steiner again. Mankind has very largely lost consciousness of the Christ as a cosmic being. This loss was inevitable, for the old clairvoyance had to give way to an intervening period, an eon devoid of spirit, in order that eventually a new form of clairvoyant vision may arise. But this new vision must again be directed to the spiritual worlds, must not characterize in mere outer forms the being who enters in the holy night into the evolution of humanity. 
This new vision must reveal how the Christ being descends through heavenly spheres to the earth, giving the earth meaning and purpose. Quote, Behold, O Father, how, distant from thy breath, this being upon earth wanders, the target and victim of all ill, lost and perplexed it flees the deadly chaos. How shall it find its way? Therefore, send me, O Father, descending, I bear the seal of heaven, traversing all the eons, teaching all sacred knowledge. Thus may God's image be made manifest. And thus to you I give the deeply hidden knowledge of the sacred way. Gnosis, it shall be for you. Close quote. Steiner again. What in reality is the earth that surrounds us when we perceive its essential being? If the corpse of one whose soul already dwells in spiritual worlds lies before you, can you say that it is a human being? Can you truly say that it is still, in the full sense of the word, a human being? The higher members of human nature are no longer in the corpse from which the soul has departed. But since the middle of the Atlantean epoch, this is what the earth has gradually become, a corpse devoid of soul. The earth around us, despite its manifold beauties, has been approaching the state of a corpse since the middle of Atlantean times and is becoming more and more corpse-like. When you stand before huge rocks and cliffs, you can see that they are the skeleton which the earth has been in process of becoming ever since that time. In the rock-strewn earth we perceive the dying part of the earth organism, which was a living organism only until the middle of the Atlantean epoch. Geology itself realizes that when we walk over the earth or guide the plow through the soil, we are walking over the corpse of the earth, guiding the plow through the corpse of the earth. Geologists have acknowledged this, and external science itself, when it begins really to think, cannot do otherwise. And so, inasmuch as we are surrounded by the earth, we confront death. We are spectators of the gradual dying of our earthly globe. And now let us imagine that the mystery of Golgotha had not taken place, that the cosmic being whom we call Christ had not entered through the two Jesus boys into earth evolution. Earth evolution would then be no more, would by now already have been overcome by death. But through the two Jesus boys, the Christ did enter earthly evolution and then, living in the one for three years, consummated the mystery of Golgotha, whereby a new seed of life was imparted to the earth. Therefore, when the time is fulfilled, the earth will not remain a corpse in cosmic space, nor the soul become the prey of Araman and Lucifer. No, that is what would have happened had Christ not come into the earth as a living, fertile seed. Because he has come, the earth will not fall into dust. The soul will not be in the soul possession of Lucifer and Araman, for the Christ seed has infused new life into earth evolution. Just as the earth once separated from the sun and became a child of the sun, so will it be imbued with the new meaning and purpose which Christ imparted to our evolution. 
Through spiritual science, we may turn our eyes with awe and reverence to the mystery of Golgotha. And because it points to realms beyond the range of material vision, we feel called upon to lift the veil. For behind it we wish to see more than was possible in an age destined to grow into materialism. In our time it is again beginning to be possible for those in whom the impulses of spiritual science have come to life to look up to the Christ as a cosmic being. Let us remember, though, that the infinite devotion we can feel toward the child born in the holy night of Christmas is not thereby diminished. We can feel the reality of Christ with deep devotion, as did our dear friend Christian Morgenstern, when there sprang from his soul a poem which seems like a resurrection of ancient and holy Gnostic thoughts, pervaded alike by the love of Christ and cosmic wisdom. We may celebrate a new Christmas when, in the dark night of materialism, voices ring out that are not the voices of the Gnostics of olden times, but are quickened and enriched by dedication to the living being of the cosmic Christ. Readers aside, I'm going to read the English translation of Morgenstern's poem first, and then at the end I'm going to read the German and English one more time. End of readers aside, quote, Light is love. Sun weavings love radiance, a creating universe of beings who hold us to their heart through untold ages, who did at length impart to us their most sublime spirit lord to live three years in human form. And now this self-same one is earth's inmost heaven fire, and earth may now aspire to be one day a son. Close quote. Another quote. Were Christ born a thousand times in Bethlehem and not in thee, thou art lost eternally. Close quote. Steiner again. May there be celebrated in our souls an inner festival of the holy night. May our souls be filled with the realization that a new knowledge of Christ must be born in our time. This new knowledge of Christ links the inmost core of our being with primal innocence, links the state of childhood with the very heights of cosmic being. When in the holy night of winter our minds turn to the Christ child, there is enacted before our souls the greatest of all festivals of consecration, the festival that rings through all the eons, and we know that the deepest realities of our being and nature are indissolubly connected with all cosmic evolution. Those whose hearts are kindled by spiritual science feel that victory over all death can be achieved when the soul is united with the Christ being. I spoke of this today at the funeral of one taken from us so tragically by the war. Realization of how the heights of cosmic being are connected with the inmost nature of man was impossible as long as the human mind was unable to perceive the very quintessence of history in the mystery of Bethlehem. But this insight will dawn in those who understand the secret of the two Jesus boys. In the one boy existed the power of Zarathustra, the wisest of all men in pre-Christian times. This boy represents the flower of the previous stages of human evolution. The aura of the other boy was illumined by the forces of the great Buddha. 
The body of the one boy springs from the noblest blood of the ancient Hebrew peoples. The soul of the Jesus boy, described in the Gospel of St. Luke, leads back to the earth's beginning. When man came to the earth in the age of Lemuria, the soul of the Jesus boy of St. Luke was kept back and guarded by the mysteries, and was then sent into the body of the Jesus whose birth is described in that gospel. It is said that immediately after birth this child uttered words intelligible only to his mother, in a language unlike any other language, which the child himself forgot directly, earthly consciousness awoke in him. A mystery was voiced immediately after birth. And indeed, much of what we have to reveal concerning the Christ mystery is an exposition of what was uttered by the Jesus boy of the Gospel of St. Luke directly after his birth. Spiritual science enables us to understand the Christ impulse from its source in the deep currents of human evolution, from the evolution of pre-Christian times. When we plumb these depths, the differences between our time and the distant past disappear, and the initiates speak once more. When once the magnitude of what poured into the evolution of humanity at the mystery of Golgotha is grasped, it will be possible to draw strength from it, to further everything connected with this evolution, including our understanding of history. But we must know who the Christ truly was before we can speak of him in the context of history. If within our movement there are individuals in greater and greater numbers who resolve to kindle the light that since the mystery of Golgotha can be kindled in inner depths, then the Christ light will shine out in every human soul. This Christ light becomes the Christmas tree that will illumine all evolution in ages of time to come. The soul will behold a rejuvenated earth within which Christ is everywhere to be found. Those who have allied themselves with spiritual science can receive its tidings of Christ with such depth of feeling that the Christmas festival will one day be celebrated in every individual soul. It is the festival which represents the birth of that knowledge of Christ which comes from Christ himself and is therefore a birth of Christ within us. True, indeed, are the words, Quote, Were Christ born a thousand times in Bethlehem, and not in thee, thou art lost eternally. Close quote. But to this beautiful saying of Angelus Silesius we can add, quote, Let us therefore continually find our own true nature by seeking eternally for the experience of the holy night of winter, for the birth of Christ in the depths of our souls. Close quote. As the end of this eighth lecture, I'm going to go back now and read the German and the English one more time of the Christian Morgenstern poem to end this. Again, I apologize for my German. Quote, Licht ist Liebe, Sonnenweben, Liebesstrahlung, eine Welt schopferischer Wesenheiten die durch unerhörte Zeiten uns an ihrem Herzen hält und die uns zuletzt gegeben ihren höchsten Geist in eines Menschenhülle während dreier Jahre. Da 
er kam in seines Vaters Erbteil, nun der Erde innerlichstes Himmelsfeuer, das auch sie einst Sonne werde. Light is love, sun weavings, love radiance, a creating universe of beings, who hold us to their heart through untold ages, who did at length impart to us their most sublime spirit lord to live three years in human form. And now this self-same one is earth's inmost heaven fire, and earth may now aspire to be one day a sun. That is also the end of the first section of the book, the Christmas section, and now will come the Easter section.